Well, good morning, Grace. My name is Mike Silliman. I'm the Karen Connections pastor here at Grace, and, and uh, I have the opportunity just to continue us on in the series that we're in called Foreigners. And uh, I don't know about you, but I love taking journeys to new places. I love taking journeys with my family, um, but I love when I can take a journey with someone. You know, the journey's much better when we get to experience it with someone else instead of going on a journey uh, by ourselves. But there's something that I've, I've noticed uh, about uh, just some differences in how I like to travel and my, my kids in particular like to travel. We see rest areas differently. Rest areas, you know, on the turnpike, the blue sign, boom, rest area, 10 miles, rest area, 15 miles. Uh, See, I kind of uh, view rest areas uh, just as a pit stop with a purpose. It's a pit stop with a purpose. It's a quick trip. I'm in, I'm out. I take care of business and I'm back on the road, right? How many of you are like that? You kind of look at rest areas that way. And then some of you, uh, some of you, you know, you like to linger a little bit longer. You actually use the tables in the food court area. You know what I'm talking about? And, and, uh, and my kids kind of view rest areas not as a pit stop with the purpose. Uh, my smaller kids... Um, they view it more as a destination. Uh, and, uh, you know, it's funny because we'll be driving down the road and, you know, most people see the words rest area. My kids don't see that. They don't see rest areas. Matter of fact, they'll say, hey, dad, uh, 10 miles, there's a crane machine. Can we stop? And uh, my kids would, be, would, would, would love if we would just like bring our suitcases into the rest area you know, plop them down, kind of set up uh, our, our sleeping bags and, you know, give them a couple rolls of quarters. They would be happy. That, uh, but, but see, rest areas, in my opinion, are meant for, for three things, okay? Uh, relieve, that's what we do in rest areas. Relieve, refuel, and refood. That's, that's the purpose of a rest area. But see, here, here's, here's the thing. Many, many of us act as though our life here on earth is the final destination. And we forget that this life here on earth is simply a pit stop with a purpose. See, we're only here for a short time. We're, this is just a pit stop in the scheme of eternity. And we're here, with a pit, we're, we're here on a pit stop with a purpose. And what is the purpose? Well, last week we talked about this table that, uh, that, that, that Jesus has invited us to. And, and our purpose is to invite people to that table to experience the joy of knowing Jesus, uh, inviting people to experience the grace, inviting uh, people to experience the freedom that comes only from, from Jesus Christ. And, and that's our job. You know, when we, when we said we're going to follow Jesus, that came with an expectation that we were going to live our lives on mission, that we were going to proclaim the name of Jesus everywhere that we go. Matter of fact, uh, the church, um, the Greek word for church is the word ekklesia. And uh, it literally means the called out ones. And so we don't go to church. We are the church and we are to be the church because we've been called out into the world to proclaim the name of Jesus, to lift his name on high and to live in such a way uh, that would honor God and, and uh, to share the message of hope with a lost and, and dying and confused 
world. In Luke chapter 9, Jesus uh, brings, has a conversation with some people that are coming to him. Uh, they're interested in following him, but they don't really know what's entailed with following Jesus. And Jesus says to them, he, he gives them uh, just kind of a picture of what it means to follow Jesus. And first he says, you know, you, you have to understand, like, this isn't going to be easy. You're going to have to give up a whole lot. Matter of fact, I'm homeless, Jesus says. And so you're going to be following a homeless guy. Uh, you're going to be, have to sacrifice a lot of things along the way, but, but it's going to be worth it. The journey is going to be worth it. In this short time that you have on earth, it's just a pit stop. But I want you to make the most of it. I, I, I want you to, to live this life on purpose. And so we're going to be looking today, if you have your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 10, Luke chapter 10, and we're going to be reading uh, the first couple of verses together, verses 1 through 7. If you need a Bible this morning, go ahead and raise your hand. We have some some ushers that would love to put one in your hand. Raise your your hand if you need a Bible. Luke chapter 10, and uh, we're going to read verses 1 through 7 together. And when you find that, go ahead and stand to your feet. And uh, let's read this out loud together. Luke chapter 10. We'll begin at verse 1 and read through verse 7. Let's read this. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. Thanks. You can have a seat. And so here we read that that, that Jesus selects 72 followers of him, and he sends them out. And notice a couple of things. We don't know who these people are. We, we, We don't know their names uh, we don't know really anything about them other than they were followers of Jesus. They were saved by Jesus. They found new life in Jesus. And Jesus was now sending them out to go on mission, on, on a mission. And, and I love that it's just 72 people with no name because these 72 people represent you and they represent me. And imagine this group of people that, that Jesus sent out. Uh, no doubt they had different personalities like you and I. Um, you know, they had some were, some were extroverts. They liked to talk a lot and, and they felt, felt real comfortable. They recharged being around people. Some were introverts and uh, get recharged from being alone. And they were probably in that group as well. And there was people with different personality types. Some were a, a little more, um, you know, uh, hard charged and some were, were, were phlegmatics. 
and some were sanguines and some were choleric and, and who am I, let, who am I missing? Am I missing? I'm missing one, aren't I? Uh, anyway, if you're that person, I'm sorry. But there are all kinds of personality types, right? In this group of 72 people and, and uh, they represent you and they represent me. And I, I love that, that Jesus sent them out. They didn't, they didn't have time to go to enroll in seminary you know, get a crash course in, 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 in what they were going to be, you know, sharing when they went out. All, of the, all that they knew was that Jesus had authority and he was the son of God and he saved them. And that was enough. That was all they needed to know in order to go out and, and, and share the message of hope uh, with, with the people that they were going to come in contact with. And I, and I love, you know, when you think about this, it's crazy to think that Jesus sent them out ahead of him as if Jesus needed them to go out ahead of them. You know, Jesus is Jesus, right? Like he just shows up. He just walks in the room and everything changes. Like this is Jesus. But yet, yet he chooses to use these 72 disciples that he was sending out. And he chooses to use you and me in his plan to bring about redemption to, to, the, to the world. See, Jesus doesn't need us, but he chooses to use us as part of his plan to bring the message of the gospel to a lost and dying world. And guess what? That was his plan then, and that's still his plan now. He, he chooses to use you and me in the process. And, and, and it's crazy that, you know, we're not here by accident. Like, you're, we're assembled here at this time and place in history part of this group of people called Grace Community Church, this local church, part of the bigger church, right? Capital C Church. And God placed you here at this time and place in history to accomplish his, his purposes. That's, that's just mind-blowing to me. And, uh, and, and it's amazing that God would, would choose us. But we bring the message and Jesus brings the power, and we read here that Jesus sent them out two by two. Never in the Gospels will you see Jesus sending out his disciples on their own. Every time he sends them out in groups of at least two, sometimes more. And, um, and, and it teaches us something really important uh, about evangelism and about this thing called living for Jesus. And that is that, that we're to live our lives uh, this short time that we're here in the context of community, in the context of community. But Jesus sends these disciples out two by two. And, and I believe for, for three reasons, there's a practical reason why Jesus sends his disciples out two by two. There's a real practical uh, reason, and that is probably, I think, it's more fun to travel with people, right? It's more fun to journey with someone else. Real practical reason, right? Uh, Ecclesiastes 4 says, pity the man that if he falls has no one to help pick him back up, right? And so there's this, uh, this, this picture of having somebody there. Um, there's security, there's safety there, there's accountability. There's just some real good practical reasons why Jesus sent out his disciples two by two. There's also, also a, a cultural reason why Jesus sent uh, people out two by two. The Old Testament law required witnesses of two to three people to bring charges against someone. 
And so if you alone, as a, as a person, saw something uh, and you brought your charge to the authorities about this person, guess what they're going to say coming alone? Sorry. <laughs> you, you need to bring at least two or three people with you uh, to share their testimony and their witness as to, as to what they saw. And guess what? In Old Testament law, two or three people's witness that all lined up and all matched, somebody could actually receive, uh, be put to death on the basis of two to three witnesses. Uh, and so there's that, that, uh, that, that piece, that, that cultural piece that says two people's testimony is more powerful than, than one person's testimony. And then there's a theological reason, I believe, that Jesus sent, sent the disciples out two by two, and that is this. You know, in, in Matthew, Jesus said, where two or three gather in my name, there I am with them. See, something, something is, um, happens with God's power. God's power is more potent in the context of community. It just is. And uh, that's how God wired us. That's how God created us. And he sent out these disciples two by two. Now, that doesn't mean that you can never share your faith with somebody if you're by yourself. So you're not off the hook that easy. Okay, but what it does mean is that God uses us. He uses the community. He uses us as the church um, to, 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 to make touches with different people in the community, sharing the message of Jesus. And, and I want you to think back. Some of you, um, maybe you uh, came to be a follower of Jesus later in life. Chances are, those of you that trusted Jesus at an, at an older age, maybe 18, 20, 30 years uh, of age, chances are you didn't hear the message just one time from one person and then made a decision to trust Christ. Chances are there were many touches along the way of people sharing and bearing witness to what Christ has done in, in their lives. So much so that it caused you to kind of pay attention and kind of stand up and say, wow, there must be something to this. And then the Spirit of God wooing you and drawing you and calling you to himself, you made a decision to, to trust Christ. But see, that happens in the context of, of community. It takes many touches, and sometimes you're the first initial touch in somebody's life, and sometimes you're the final one. We like the final touch, right? Because we get to see people cross the line of faith. I got to experience that uh, last week, and, and it's just incredible. And every time that happens, that never gets old. When we're able to, to see someone uh, help somebody connect the dots with who Jesus is and, and see them uh, uh, take that step, it's incredible. Uh, but take a look at verse 2. Jesus, as he's giving this training and orientation meeting to these disciples that he's sending out on mission, this is what he says. He tells them, look at verse 2. He told them the what? The harvest is what? It's plentiful, but the workers are what? Are few. And then Jesus says, ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. In other words, it's not a harvest problem, Jesus is saying. The harvest is plentiful. There's people all over the place that, that, that need Jesus. It's not a harvest problem. It's a worker problem. More specifically, it's not a worker problem. It's a heart problem. It's a heart problem. 
You know, there are times in my life and in my journey following Jesus that my eyes are wide open to the harvest of people that I'm living near and, you know, uh, rubbing shoulders with in our community. And there's times that I'm very aware of the lost people all around me. And then there's other times that I become kind of selfish and I turn my eyes kind of inward and I pass by people all day long, you know, zip, 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 passing by people. And I, and I, and I never stop to think that that, that that person's lost. Like that person's dying and, and, and going to hell. And, 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 and that person, um, you know, th- there's no joy on their face and in their life. And, and they need to be connected with Jesus. So sometimes I'm more in tune with that. And other times I'm, I'm not. And, and, and here's what we need to understand. If I'm not sharing my faith regularly, if I'm not sharing my faith regularly, looking for opportunities to share my faith, I need to ask the question. And here's the question. What is it about the condition of my heart that I would pass by the harvest without even noticing it? What is, what is the condition of my heart that I would pass by the harvest, the plentiful harvest, Jesus says, and it's still plentiful, without even noticing it. What, what, what must be the condition of my heart to do that? And when I find myself at this place, it's because I've turned inward. It's because I've, I've turned selfish. It's because that I have a task and I'm task-oriented and I, I want to get my task done and I, I know that I have a limited amount of time to get it done and I'm going to go about it. And so I'll pass right by people, opportunities that, that God placed right in front of me and I, I won't even pay attention. I won't even, it won't even cross my mind in those moments that that, that person might be lost. That person may need to hear the message of Jesus. And that happens, right, in our, in our lives. And here's the reality. Like, I notice undone things in my house. Like, you, you do too, right? You're, you're, you're thinking of all those undone things right now uh, in, in, in your house. The to-do list, right? The honey-do list. Some lady, my, uh, wives are, like, elbowing their husbands. You need to get on that, right? But, but the truth is, like, I notice these undone things the minute I pull into my driveway, you know, when my door goes up, I notice that the seal on the bottom of my door is kind of hanging down, you know. And every time I say, okay, I, I got to do something about that. I got I to gotta fix that. And I, and I see uh, uh, that enough times until I finally do something about it. Like it's, it's just, I, there's this unsettled feeling that I have when I see undone things in my house. And you probably have that same unsettled feeling, right? And so we see that in our home and when we're faced with things that that are left undone. But why can't we see the work that is left undone, the people work that's left undone, that Jesus wants us to to, to go out and and, and share the message, his message, the gospel message with with people. See, my desire is I want to have that same feeling, that unsettled feeling that I have when I walk through my house and I see all my undone tasks. I want to have that same unsettled feeling when I, when, I, when I look out and I see the harvest and I see lost people that, that need Jesus. Don't you? Do you want that, that same unsettled feeling? And, and here's the thing. We, we know the harvest is plentiful. We talk about that a lot here at Grace, right? We talk about the 150,000 people in Elkhart County 
that don't have a church home. Many of them don't know Jesus. And, and we, we talk about that a lot. That's our harvest, right? That is our harvest. And here's what I know about grace. You know, we have about 2,600 people that uh, would have come to our three services today. About 2,600 of you uh, call Grace their home and, and attend on a weekly basis. Just think about this. If each of us had that undone, unsettled feeling that, that and we took it upon ourselves to say, I'm going to lead one person, just one person to Jesus every single year, just one. By the way, Caleb, my 10-year-old, just list, listed some goals yesterday, and one of his goals is to lead three people to Jesus this year. Three people to Jesus. But, but what if we just said we're going to lead one person to Jesus, each one of us, all 2,600 of us, kids, teenagers, adults, and, and we took, made that our mission, and we, we left out of here, we walked out of here, eyes wide open to the harvest, just looking for those opportunities that Jesus puts in front of us, that God puts in front of us every single day. And what if at the end of the year, each one of us, all 2,600, led one person to Christ? Think of what we would have next year. And then 5,200 uh, next year led one person to Christ. And, and then, and then, and then 10,400 of us led one person to Christ. And 20,800 people led one person to Christ. And then 41,600 people led one person to Christ. And then 83,200 people led one person to Christ. By year six, guess how many people we would, would have led to Christ? 166,000 400 people. Problem solved in Elkhart County. And that's just one church. Like, we're just one of many great churches in Elkhart County. That's just us. And so we have to ask the question, are we sharing our faith like, like God wants us to do? Are we taking advantage of the opportunities that, that God brings to us he sets up these divine appointments all of the time. And, 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 and if I'm just looking up and I'm just looking out and, I, and I'm looking for those opportunities, the opportunities are there. It's not a harvest problem. It's a worker problem. More specifically, it's, it's a heart problem. See, Grace, we can do this. Like God has equipped us. We can do this. We can put a big dent even take care of the issue altogether of lost people in our county. And um, God's placed us here for that time and place in history, this time and place in history to do that. Take a look at verse three. Uh, so Jesus goes on uh, in his training session here with these disciples that he's about ready to send out. And he says this, he says, go, I'm sending you out like lambs among what? Lambs among wolves, and this is a picture of tension and a picture of difficulty. Like this is difficult. It's a picture of rejection. It's a, it's a picture of this is going to be hard work because we have an enemy. And, and Pastor Jim talks a lot about the fact that we're opposed, right? We, the minute we said yes to Jesus, we're, we're opposed and, and we're being sent out as lambs among wolves wolves. You know, we have a, a, an enemy that, that uh, is hunting us down, that he's bloodthirsty, and he's, he's ravenous. ravenous. And, and uh, uh, I love in Matthew chapter 10, verse 16, Jesus tells the disciples that he's sending them out. 
as sheep among wolves. And he said, be as shrewd as snakes, but innocent as doves. And I love the imagery there. You know, snakes are known to be thoughtful, calculated in their movement. Some of you say, no, they're just gross. Okay. You know, but, and, and so be shrewd as snakes, be sensible. Don't be naive. Don't be inflammatory. Remember, you're the lamb. You're not the, the wolf. Don't be inflammatory. Um, avoid conflicts and attacks. Have a, have a sense of appropriateness. Let me say it this way. Don't be a jerk. Don't be that guy, right? And then be innocent as doves. It literally means, this word literally means to be unmixed, unmixed, and be different from, from the world. We're the called out ones. We're called out to be separate from the world. We're not to be mixed with the world. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. And people should notice a difference in the, in the decisions that you make, how you conduct your lives, uh, the words that come out of your, your mouth, and um, how you live and talk and, 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 and live your life. It should, it should be uh, an unmixed message to people. They should see that message uh, in, through your life and through living your life. And take a look at verse 4. Jesus then says, Do not take a purse or a bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. In other words, pack light. Pack light, right? This life is, is a pit stop with the purpose. You don't need anything burdening you down. You don't need anything kind of holding you back from the mission at hand. You don't need anything distracting you from the mission that God has given us. And and this is hard. This is a hard balance sometimes for us, isn't it? Because the truth of the matter is God's given us this, you know, this life to enjoy. We should enjoy our life. He's given us things to enjoy and it's not bad to own things. It's not bad to own nice things. It's just that God doesn't want our things to own us. And, um, and, and sometimes simplifying our lifestyle can help us target our attention and our focus on the mission of Jesus. I was reading about hikers that were hiking the Appalachian Trail, and they were uh, sharing how to pack for the hike. You know, it's a long hike uh, from Georgia all the way to Maine. And this is what they said. Carry too much and you increase your risk of injury. Unnecessarily reduce your pace and above all, increase your likelihood of quitting due to constant physical discomfort. All of your time, money, and effort goes for naught. Carry too little and you run the risk of death in the form of hypothermia, that's a bad day, or an increased likelihood of quitting due to psychological discomfort. Again, nothing to show for all of your preparation efforts. Needless to say, this person says, finding the packing sweet spot can make or break a hiker's experience. I I think that's a lot like life. You know, we need to find as followers that that sweet spot of what is too much and what's too little. And I think that looks different for for each one of us. But we need to ask the question, uh, you know, is, have I made life so difficult, so much so that it's completely derailed me from my mission in life? Where do you need to simplify? 
maybe, maybe it's your schedule is just overwhelmed and you don't have time for anybody or anything in your schedule because it's just filled with all kinds of activity. Good activity, by the way, but it's not activity that would bring about the fruit that God would want you to, to bring about. Um, and, and, and so it's good to ask that question. Uh, where do I need to simplify so I can target my attention on the mission of Jesus? Take a look at verses 5 through 9. Jesus says, when you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. And if someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. And then Jesus says, stay there, eating and drinking, whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God has come near to you. And so Jesus is using this language, person of peace, or a person, or a person that promotes peace. Peace. What is a person of peace? What is a person that promotes peace? A person of peace is simply someone that God has prepared ahead of time to hear the message of the gospel through you. That's a person of peace. A person of peace is someone that God has prepared ahead of time to hear the gospel message, the message of Jesus through you. That's the person of peace. And, and Jesus is saying, look for that person of peace. Like when you enter a town, look for a person of peace. It's someone that is receptive to the message of Jesus. They're not hostile to the message. They're receptive to the message. They, they, are, they, they have a certain sensitivity spir- about spiritual things. They're, they're willing to engage in spiritual conversations. And we're to look for this person of peace, And here's what we need to understand. We need to become experts at reading the cues of the curious and be willing to go deeper in our conversations. We need to look for the cues of the curious because they're out there. Remember, the harvest is what? The harvest is what? It's plentiful. And so we need to be looking for the cues of the curious and we need to expect there to be this prearranged meeting set up by Jesus himself, whereby you identify the cues and you're willing to share the message of Jesus, that Jesus already prepared this person to hear through you. It's like, whoa. It's like, wow, right? And we need to become experts at reading the cues. By the way, we need to become experts at realizing when we haven't found the person of peace too. And just like, shut up, right? Walk away, they're not interested. They're not a person of peace. You'll know when there's a person of peace that God wants you to share the message to. You'll know that because they will be receptive and they will be open. Don't, don't waste your time on the people of unpeace. Waste your time, spend your time uh, talking to the people of peace. And this looks differently for all of us. I know as our family goes out to eat, oftentimes, and you probably do this as well, we will, we will, our server will come up to the table and this is kind of a standard thing that we'll do often. We'll say, hey, we're about ready to pray. Is there anything that we can pray for you about? And sometimes we get shut off pretty quickly. We, we, we uh, read in the cues 
and they're not biting. <laughs> uh, and, and they say, you know, hey, uh, no, there's really nothing going on in my life. And, and then other times, we've had servers literally stand there with tears, weeping, um, because something's going on, something heavy is going on in their life, and they just need an ounce of hope. And we need to be able to read those cues. And when, when we see those cues, a receptive person, we need to go there. We need to take the conversation deeper, 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 until we eventually are able to share the gospel with people. And um, I remember a, a time when I was at a coffee shop and I was, had my Bible and I was there reading my Bible and I was studying God's word. And uh, the Holy Spirit just impressed upon me in a very clear way that I was to go over a couple tables over to this guy uh, wearing dreadlocks and wearing these big beat headphones, headphones that I could hear every word of the song playing in his headphones from my table a couple tables over. But I felt this impression, like the Holy Spirit wanted me to go and speak to this person. And I'm thinking, well, God, are you sure I can't talk to that lady? Like over there, the older lady over in the corner? No, and it was very clear. And so I remember going over, he, he had some textbooks. I, I kind of assumed he was a college student, uh, probably working on a paper or something. His eyes were, were buried in the computer. He was focused, he's listening to music. And I go over to his table and I'm trying to get his attention. He's not seeing me, he doesn't hear me because he's listening to his music. And I'm like, yo, yo, yo. He finally takes his headphones off and he goes, hey, yo, what's up? And, and I said, hey, what, what are you doing here today? Look like you're studying. Looks like you're, you know, you're, you're in school. And he said, yeah, you know, man, I'm working, I'm working hard in this paper. Uh, and then he said the question, what are you doing here? And that was my cue, okay? Like, okay, man, all right, I'm going to go there. Well, I, I'm actually just reading, reading my Bible. Uh, I'm over there reading my Bible. And, and, I, and I said, uh, um, are, you, are you a believer? You? And Tears, tears started showing up in his eyes and his eyes got big and, and, and he kind of looked up and to the left a little bit like he was remembering something and I'm just kind of standing there um, in this moment. And, and he began to share. He says, you know, when you said that, when you came over to me and you said you were reading my Bible, something triggered in me. And I remember when I was a 10-year-old boy I remember I was out walking in the street and these, this group of people came up to me and they gave me this bracelet that had these beads on it with different colors. And, and maybe you know what I'm talking about. We call that the wordless bracelet, right? It's a, it's a way to share the gospel story. Each bead is a different color and represents an, another piece of, of the gospel story. And, and, and with tears in his eyes, he began telling me that, you know, when I was 10, this guy came and he gave me one of these bracelets and I put it on and I prayed this prayer and I received Jesus as my Lord and Savior. He says, but man, have I gotten way off track. And he says, man, I am not living at all my life right now like, like God would want me to. And it was one of those moments where I was like, it was like a goosebump moment, like, whoa. Because, you know, I, I, it was one of those moments where the Holy Spirit spoke and I actually listened and responded, right? Because for that time that I said yes, there have been plenty other times that I 
chickened out and I've walked away and I've allowed, you know, just fear to kind of overcome. You know what I'm talking about? Shake your head yes, right? You know what I'm talking about. And this was one time where, where I said yes and, 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 and God came through and we exchanged information and we stayed in touch for a little while. But that's what happens when, when we read the cues and, and we go there and, and we allow ourselves to go willing to, to go deeper in our conversations with, with people. But here's the reality. There are people of peace. The harvest is plentiful and there's people of peace, but there's also people of unpeace. And to be able to find the people of peace, we need to be willing to be confronted with the people of unpeace. And uh, Jesus has some words for us Look at verse 10. Verse 10, Jesus said, But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, we don't find a person of peace in, uh, in our conversations that we're having with people. Go into its streets and say, Even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. Now, don't go out when you find some, a person of peace and take your shoe off and shake it, okay? Don't, don't do that. Don't do that. Please don't do that. But, but this is a, this is, Jesus is telling us that there's gonna be people that reject the message. Matter of fact, there's gonna be people, more people that, that reject the message than accept the message. And Jesus tells us how to respond to this rejection. He says, wipe the dust from our shoes. What does that mean? Well, it's symbolic gesture saying, I surrender these people to the Lord. I surrender these people to the Lord. And check this out. I emotionally, I'm, I'm letting go of this situation. It's really important to allow yourself to, to emotionally let go somebody that rejects you. And, and the reason why is if you don't, that will turn into a, a, a seed of fear that's planted in, in your heart and in your life. And, and then you, you, you won't have, uh, you, you'll, you'll, your life will be filled with fear when, when God places these opportunities in front of you and you're afraid to open your mouth. And so we need to, to remember, this is not, God loves these people more than we do. And, and uh, they're not open to the message. They're not a person of peace. God didn't arrange for this meeting to take place. And so I'm going to surrender them to the Lord and I'm going to move on because there's, there's other people. The harvest is plentiful and there's more people that need to hear the message of Jesus. Friends, don't let the fear of rejection cause you to miss out on the joy of the reception and there's people that want to receive the message. And so don't allow the fear of rejection to cause you to miss out on that person that, that, you, that, you, that you come in contact with that is a person of peace that God arranged for you to meet and that God wants you to share the message of hope. And, and, and uh, who knows, they might cross the line of faith and you could be the one that has the opportunity to lead them to Jesus. Look at verse 17 it says that the 72 returned with what? Well, that was weak. The 72 returned with what? With joy. And they said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. And, and Jesus had to caution them. 
He had to caution them, you know, Mike, don't think that you're big stuff because, you know, you came up to a dude with, with dreadlocks and, and he had tears in his eyes. That wasn't you. That was me. I just used you. And Jesus is cautioning the disciples here. He says, however, don't rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. You're just being used by the one that has saved you. Jesus wants to use you, and he wants to use us. And then take a, take a look at verse 21 as we kind of close our time this morning. I, I, love, I love this verse. I love this verse. At this time, Jesus, full of what? Full of joy, through the Holy Spirit, said... I praise you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and the learned and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for this is what you were pleased to do. Jesus broke out in praise because these 72, these, these, these disciples, these willing disciples to go out and say, yes, I'm going to go out and, and I'm going to face the wolves and I'm, I'm going to get rejected, but, but I'm going to go out anyway in obedience to the Lord, just allowing him to flow through me. It elicited praise from our Savior's lips that's incredible. See, we have the potential, friends, to, to elicit that kind of joy from our Savior when we come to him as little children, as helpless, weak, dependent children, and we say, here I am, send me. Do you want to elicit that kind of joy from our Savior? Man, I do. I, I want to elicit that kind of joy from him. I, I believe that if we took this call seriously, we could, like, we could change the spiritual temperature, like literally change the spiritual temperature in Elkhart County. Do you, do you guys believe that? Like, and, and God wants to use you. He wants to use us. And, and he tells us to go, but he also tells us to pray for workers in the harvest. And so that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to close our time out right now just praying for more workers in the, in the harvest. Would you pray with me this morning? Lord, we want to be used by you. God, we know that this life here on earth is just a pit stop with a purpose. And our purpose is to invite the lost and the lonely and the hopeless to come to your table and to experience what we have been able to experience, your joy and your mercy and your grace and your forgiveness of our sins. Lord, forgive us for those times when, when we turn our eye to the harvest, when we lose sight of the lost around us because we're so focused on, on our tasks and our stuff, Lord. Would you, would you strip us of that so that we can be used by you in a, in a mighty way? Lord, we recognize that, that we're to bring the message and you're going to bring the power. So I pray in advance for the people of peace that, that uh, you're going to uh, arrange the meeting for us to meet in the coming days. Maybe even today at lunch as we go and, 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 we, and we order our food. Lord, help us to be looking for that person, person of peace, to take cues from, from that person of peace and be willing to go deeper in conversation, leading them uh, to, to you, Lord. Use us, I pray, 
In Jesus' name I pray, amen.